0: I think the value of mentorship has grown exponentially in my mind. And if you're interested in something, find somebody who's doing it. Good day. Good
1: day. Good
2: day. And welcome to another Forge Side Chat podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing and everything in between with a heavy focus on talent in the great white north.
1: And the Great White North? What? Where, where's that place? I think we forgot about the Great White North, dude. We haven't been what's going on? I mean we got one in the bank from the Great White North, but geez Louise. Welcome to the show everybody. That's Nick, Old Soldier. He's coming at you from hey Ontario. Guys. Good day. And my name is Lando Novak. You might recognize me as the Abstract Blacksmith. We are the hosts of Forge Side Chat, and today we've brought on a gentleman from Whitefish area in Montana. Uh, many of you may know of Whitefish as a very famous ski resort, but this gentleman is Producing some really sweet ornamental iron. He's established himself as an amazing blacksmith. I'm talking about Samuel Welch here. Um, he's coming from Whitefish. Fuck, what is it, dude? I just screwed that one up. What is it?
0: Yeah, Whitefish Kalispell area in uh, Flathead Valley of Montana.
1: But what's, what's the name of your Instagram account for people that want to find you?
0: Oh, uh, Whitefish Custom Iron.
1: There we go. Thank you. Jeez. I'm done.
2: Oh, well, that's why I
1: couldn't find it earlier. <laughs> so
2: Sam's I usually like to like creep people's Instagram profiles before we do these things. So I can be like, oh, hey, this is what you do.
1: Well, dude, I, I'm, I messed up on this one because I told Welchie that he was going to be in and I messaged, messaged him at like five o'clock tonight. Go, so dude, you're still down. What do you mean? Am I still down? You didn't tell me it was tonight. I asked you what night it was and you left me hanging what the fuck you agreed to what time it was i can't believe he didn't bug me what day it was more afterwards shit okay my bad uh i get it dude and he's like well i would totally be down He got a chunk of steel in his eye today i had to go to the eye doctor get the the steel removed oh, from his yeah. eye and on top of that he also buggered up his back so he's like yeah i'm i'm just freaking I'm I'm out dude. I I'm, I'm blasted. I rolled a fucking massive jaybird with some keef and I'm done for the night. Oh, oh, okay well. <laughs> At least you're in your happy place, right? Yeah, uh. I mean that's one way to deal with it. <laughs> okay we're all over the place on this intro sam dude thank you so much for sitting down with us sam's coming at us like i said from the whitefish area he's 37 years old but he's been playing in this game for like 17 years now since he was about 20 years old he was telling us and he like again i was telling you he specializes in ornamental ornamental architectural blacksmithing go check him out at whitefish custom iron and dude Get ready to be blown away. When I found you on Instagram, I was like, yes, yes, dude. Who is this guy? How come I have not heard about him before? Your work is awesome, dude. And thank you again for sitting down with us, man.
0: Well, thanks very much for having me. You know, uh, I actually never heard of you guys, and uh, I was pretty excited when I saw what you had going on. I listened to some episodes on Spotify, and I was like, man, I'm happy to talk about blacksmithing. You know, it's hard to shut me up when we get going.
2: Excellent.
1: Excellent. Sweet. And I don't blame you for not hearing of us. We're nobodies, right? We're just Canadian hoes. Yeah, we
2: really – nobody cares about what we're doing. (laughs) We do this mostly for fun. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting, though, because I think we are starting to create a little bit of a staple in the uh, community. I mean, we've been doing this. This is season four, so we've got three seasons in the bag now. Uh, The first season was a little bit interesting. A lot of people didn't get to see how Forgeside Chat kind of began um, with the Manitoba Blacksmith Guild and doing kind of private chats with the group. And then we kind of moved into things a little bit beyond that. We did Canon as a virtual event that had 250 guests over three days with over 30 demonstrators doing interviews with us. It was Crazy, and if you want to see that stuff, you can get over head over to caniron.ca, use the code biganvils to get entrance to the virtual edition of Caniron, and get ready to sit back and soak up a ton of info. Man, there's some good stuff there, dude. But we're not here to talk about us, we're here to talk about Sam, Sam the man coming out of Whitefish, dude. Man, like, do you so do you snowboard, or do you ski?
0: Uh, both. Yeah, started on a snowboard, and then uh, uh, an old buddy of mine got me hooked on telly. So I, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the happy medium between snowboarding and skiing. I just fell in love with it. So I've been on telly on for the uh, last it? few years. It's, uh, I mean, it's skiing with, you know, your heels are free. So you're kind of lunging down the mountain instead of, uh, you know, feet together like normal skiing. But, you know, really what sold me on it is uh, when you're carving on telly skis, you're it's like the same body position as if you were doing a toe side turn on a snowboard i oh, don't know like you you lean into the mountain mm. it's a totally different experience and uh it was quite you know it took a while to get the hang of it cuz uh it uses a lot of muscles that i've never had to use before but it's just a blast and you can skin up the mountain and you know ride down on the same gear and it's just uh mm. it's a good time
1: Take, doing oh, the so skins cool. up doing skins up the mountain so you're you do backcountry obviously then
0: you know, I I never really got into backcountry. As funny as that is, like, take we have off. uphill tracks at our mountain. Um, well, it's funny because I actually got all the gear. I was living in Jackson Hole for a while, and I, I got all the gear to do a bunch of backcountry. And I was like, you know, I want to take some avi classes before I try, you mm-hmm. know. And then uh, I don't know. Then I got a girlfriend, and then we got married, and now we got a kid. And I'm like, you know.
1: So much for here, that dream happened.
0: You, well that i'm kind of afraid to hurt myself now you know i got yep. people dependent on me and you know i think about all the all the injuries and deaths from backcountry and i'm like you know what like we got good snow on the mountain i'll take the lift up i'm fine with that. <laughs> you know or or if i want to skid, i'm just Fair doing it for enough. the exercise
1: yeah yep. yeah I've i've unfortunately like my kids seven turning eight soon and i've gotten to a point where i I barely ride anymore, dude. The first couple of years, I tried to push it, and it was just, it became very obvious that you just time, dude. You, you got to pick and choose. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to blacksmith or am I going to snowboard? One of them's going to make me one, money, one of them's going to get me hurt. You know, I mean, blacksmithing yeah, fair enough. has hurt me too, but.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I never have either of those problems because I never make anybody
1: blacksmithing, and
2: I don't ski or snowboard. <laughs>
1: but you are cooped up from a crazy ankle surgery right now dude that you're recovering from which has been freaking hell uh, it's been it's been a disaster
2: it's been this the uh, the 6 week recovery time has turned into uh several months and yeah. it's going nowhere fast and i think i might have a bolt backing out so yeah. i might have to go back and see the doc about that
0: Throw a little Loctite in there and call it good. Yeah,
2: no. They apparently they don't use Loctite in surgery most of the time. We got to talk to them about that. You know, well, at least the blue stuff.
1: Can I? Can, <laughs> can I give you a little? Like, I know this isn't necessarily going to make you feel better to hear somebody else's pain, but at least you're not in this position. My cousin Danny had to get um, his vertebrae fused, and they put a plate in there. The fucking plate in his neck broke, dude. They don't even know how yeah he he started complaining about pain issues or whatever, and a little bit of backstory about Danny he's got down syndrome he's been living at home he's in his thirties, and his parents have to take care of him a lot. Um, he is on his own now um, but he, with with care and help and whatever to make you know assistance but yeah because of that the connection with his parents isn't as tight as it used to be so this has been going on for a little while he's had this broken plate like he's a tough dude man he's the type of guy who's like i'm not saying anything about it and then finally it's like what's what's going on dude oh i don't know my neck's been sore well why what's going on i don't know we better go get a check holy fuck dude the plate in your neck is broken man what the fuck
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's the kind of thing that can cause some real permanent
1: damage if you don't fix that. Uh, they are they're, they don't even know what the surgeon's not sure what he's doing, dude. And he's not going to be so sure what he's doing until he's actually in the midst of surgery. That's when he's going to have to decide, like, how he's going to mend, mend it all, which is, like, scary as fuck, dude. I'm so... TIG welder. Um, TIG welder.
2: Weld it back together right there in the OR
0: yeah things are a little simpler in the blacksmith shop sometimes <laughs> i'd much yeah. rather work on uh fireplace doors than a human body
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know that'd be pretty cool to speaking of working on human body parts oh <laughs> um
2: my buddy emil the guy i've shouted out a bunch of times uh brilliant artist uh emil matea i'll have to make sure that lando's got it in the links but uh, he had a uh, a woodworking accident, and he lost his left index finger. God. Clean off. That sucks. So I have I have got a piece of titanium, and I'm going to forge him a new finger.
1: Huh. Interesting. So that he can still flip I people with So that it's
2: got. Yeah, well, basically, I gotta make it so that it's got like a little ring. There are two little rings, so it'll attach to his middle finger. So he could, you know, it'll just work like that.
1: Huh. I don't know. It's it's a dumb little project, but I think it'll be
2: cool to actually do it.
1: I don't know. Make, make him feel happy that he can give you the middle finger every once in a while still, right? I mean, he still can, but it just it looks really weird. <laughs>
0: Well it's no longer the middle finger, right? He yeah, <laughs> gotta give him I, one uh, so he's got
2: one. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because it's a ray amputation, so that that part of his knuckle and hand is gone too, right? Oh, so it's just damn. Yeah,
1: that. Oh shit. That sucks, man. Damn it. Oh. Uh, at least it was his left hand. He should Post that on dangerous grinder attachments. I don't know if you've ever seen that group on Facebook, but holy shit, dude, you want to see crazy accidents?
2: Whoa. Yeah, I'll take a pass on that.
1: Yeah, so okay. Let's let's dive into Sam's.
2: Yeah, let's
1: dive let's dive into Sam's life a little bit here in blacksmithing, dude. We we started this episode off. Sam's sitting in his shop right now on his phone. Zencaster, thank you for finally making an app. But Sam's got these air hammers beside him. And we're like, what what are those, dude? Those look different. And uh you were you were telling us they're bulldog hammers?
0: Uh they're bull hammers. So bull now ha- there is a company going under the name bulldog, uh, which is a little bit confusing. Um, but no, these are bull hammers. Uh, they were manufactured, I think, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, uh, predecessor to the Phoenix hammers. Um, and the guy's name was Tom Trozak, uh, who designed and built these. And, uh, they're just some of the, the best utility hammers I've ever used. They're they're uh there's a lot of adjustments you can make. You know, I, I was running uh old blue for a while, and that's just the simplest hammer that could be. You know, it's it does one job and it does an okay job. Uh but these bull hammers, you know, you can uh uh you can do single blows with them, you can clamp with them, you can um, you can there's a special operation mode where you can actually disconnect the throttle from the treadle so that your treadle is operating the height of your die, but then you can control the throttle manually. So the the control is just incredible. It's, uh and yeah, I've got a 75 pound and a 125 pound version. So 125 pound has full beast mode and it'll really move some steel. And then that 75 is just fantastic for, uh, you know, top tooling and anything that needs finesse.
2: Yeah, they've got a a really wide like throat opening. Hey, eh? you can actually get a lot of tooling underneath that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably like a eleven or twelve inch stroke or something like that. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a lot of air. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh man, I have to I uh, daisy chain two eighty gallon compressors to run these things. <laughs> oh Jesus! <geez. laughs> what, yeah. what,
2: what's so that? Size. Is the one thing about the external compressor
1: hammers? Yeah. What yeah. size of what size of motor is on the compressor?
0: Uh, one's a five horsepower, one's a six and a half. And, Jeez. uh, you know, honestly the six and a half would run it. Um, but if I'm going full bore, it struggles and, you know, I figured I'd fry it. And, um, and I had one, uh, an old boss gave me one for free that the five horsepower that was sitting outside the back of the shop. And it was kind of one of these, like, just get it out of here. It used to work. I don't know what's wrong. Plugged it in, heard the sound, knew it was a freaking motor capacitor, opened it up, reconnected the wire. Compressor works, so <laughs> um, so yeah. Nice. Daisy chain them together, and and now I can just run them all day long, and and they kick on at the same time, and uh, they don't have any problem keeping up. So,
1: gotta love stories like that. It's man, good. finding good deals, eh? All that stuff.
0: Well, it's such a dream to to own these hammers because these are the hammers I learned on. Uh, the bull hammers were in the shop I first apprenticed at, and uh, uh and yeah, they're just a dream to use. I thought it'd be many years in the future before I got to own one
2: so where did you apprentice right on
0: uh well i i first got into a a blacksmith shop um in in colorado is where i grew up and i got into one shop that um he did some blacksmithing work some texturing and stuff like that uh, but it was kind of a fabrication shop too i wasn't really getting a lot of time behind the anvil um but then i uh Another local blacksmith was Craig May of Dragon Forge. Um, I don't know if you've heard of those guys. Uh, Rory May's very popular in the community. Uh, just a yes. great blacksmith and educator. He goes under Dirty Smith.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, so,
0: so his dad is the person that I apprenticed under. So I was there for
2: about oh, that's amazing. Uh,
0: two or two or three years. Yeah,
1: dude is the yeah. real
2: deal, eh, bud. Yeah, don't yeah. I routinely go back, or really, I used to anyways, go back to Rory May's video about doing upset square corners
1: mm-hmm.
2: like that was the uh, the best explanation of that i've ever seen
0: yeah no they're both extremely talented smiths i mean uh um you know craig still to this day will let me call him up and pick his brain you know he's just uh such a wealth of knowledge and um and it was a heck of an experience working in that shop i'll tell you that that shop turned me into the blacksmith i am today so
2: i can only you know. imagine dude
0: yeah that sounds they,
2: they take on, the Dragon Fords, they take on some pretty serious projects, like not small stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean it was like kind of a gamut when I was with them. But yeah, they would do big chandeliers, um, you know, big staircases, stuff like that. Um, and just top end work, just very, very clean. You know, it's like uh, the, the quality in that shop is everything I strive to do in my own shop now. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing I've come across since then, you know. Um, i mean I've worked for some in some great shops, don't get me wrong, but that's that's next level and uh so you know I strive every day to try to uh meet those quality standards and and kind of push that myself you know and push those boundaries of how clean you can really <laughs> forge you know yeah
2: i mean what a great foundation for doing you know architectural or ironwork. iron work not ask absolutely
0: for that. no no, you really couldn't i mean it was a it was a hard shop to work in, you know the there's there's no messing around in the sense of, um, you know, something's either straight or it's not. It's yeah. either 90 degrees or it's not. There's not. That's mm. <laughs> straight enough. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's um,
2: yeah.
0: you learn but real it, quick. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, absolutely. And even just in the couple of minutes we've been talking, I took a quick uh, scroll through your uh, Instagram and I can see you've got some freaking skills, dude. <laughs> right thank you thank you i, I still like, feel very amazing work
0: i appreciate it i still ve- feel very fresh as a blacksmith honestly i mean you know i've been in the trade for a long time but i've only had my business for about two years and so you know this is the first time in my life i'm able to spend the time in the shop to push my boundaries and to prototype and try new things and and fail a lot but um you know when you're working for somebody else you're on their dime you know i remember. uh when I was working for Craig I I really wanted some shop time and so he told me a to shop rate and I was like well I don't have any money but I've got a coal forge I'll trade you that for two hours of shop time he said okay and <laughs> that's you know that was about the most personal shop time I had got until I was much older but um yeah but now I feel like I'm, I'm able to really you know try some things I've always wanted to try push the boundaries I was today I was making tooling for my press just trying stuff out and Man, I thought I had it, and then the last round of the day, it just fell apart. Uh, <laughs> just like, okay, <laughs> back yeah, to the drawing yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. Yep. but, I've, I've but a, it's cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah,
1: I've got a recent failure under under the press as well. So I, that that hit home, man. As soon as you said that, it's like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dude, this so two years running your own business now. Can you give me a little bit of a? of a layout as to what brought you into that. Like what was the, the years leading up to you deciding to do your own business?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, my metal work, I guess I'll, I'll go back a little bit further than you asked just for the sake of filling you in. But you know, when I was uh, in high school, um, I, I bought a uh, old Toyota land cruiser, you know, those like FJ forties. Yes, sir. uh, So I bought one. You could it was so it was a rust bucket. You could see through it from every angle. Like it was just a pile of rust. And uh, and my dad was very mechanical. And so I bought this Land Cruiser for like a thousand bucks. It was my life savings, all my savings, bonds from my grandparents when I was a kid. I cashed them all in and bought a Land Cruiser. And uh, and my dad bought me a little you know Lincoln one ten welder and some flux core wire and uh, and I worked in restaurants and bus tables and bought tools or bought parts and throughout high school, like every day after work or after school, I'd go home and I'd work on this cruiser. Well, eventually uh, the last day of high school, I was driving it. And, uh, and when I first got my first job in, in blacksmithing, I drove it there and that was my, that was my resume. Uh, I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have any blacksmithing experience, but I built this truck. <laughs> You're fucking, <laughs> and, uh, hired. You're
2: fucking
0: yeah, hired. Yeah it got me in. And, uh, so yeah, worked for you know a couple of shops for a while. Um, then I ended up moving to uh, Jackson hole, uh, with a girl that I was dating at the time and, uh, got in with a great shop there. Um uh, uh, this guy named uh, Terry Chambers uh, does some really nice work. His, his business is custom iron design, uh, out of Jackson hole. And, um, I got him with him and, you know, when I walked in there, I recognized that I could offer him kind of a new product. Um, you know, he was doing some texturing and stuff too, but, um, but certainly with what I learned in Dragon Forge, I, I recognized that I could bring him a new product and we built a great relationship. Um, you know, I was able to kind of build out a corner of the shop the way I wanted it and, um, and worked there for many years. Um, and then, you know, I dealt with some injuries uh, something I think we all generally deal with, but uh, I've got some back problems. I got some bad discs in my back, and when a it goes blacksmith
1: out with back problems, man, never, never I, heard of that. before. I was gonna assume it was the skiing, snowboarding, but
0: okay. <laughs> you would, you would think I'd do it, doing something fun. No, it's you know, I was bending a piece of top cap that was too cold, and you know, there you go. Um, but. I reached this point where I was like, you know, I don't know if my body can do this for forever. So Mm -hmm. I walked away from blacksmithing and I, uh, I've always been a musician. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to play drums as a career. And uh, so I I moved back to Colorado from Jackson hole, kind of reinventing myself, call it an early midlife crisis, I guess. And uh, (laughs) I opened a little, I opened a little school for drums and, and I was teaching and I was, playing full time. And, um, it was like one of the most fun years of my life. I lost money every month. Uh, definitely not a sustainable lifestyle, but it was a blast. And I was playing music. Well, while I was there, um, in the middle of the night, I don't know if you guys know much about drums, but I was tuning up the drums and, uh, and I had this idea. I said, you know, there's gotta be a, a better way to do this. Well, that idea turned into a company. So I, had a, I invented a new type of hardware for drums, and you know, un, unintentionally found myself marrying my love for artistic, functional metalwork with my passion for music.
1: Tug-o. And um,
0: and yeah, I, you know, I filed for patents, and I, I I went down a road that I had no idea where it was leading. Um, and I did that uh, full time for several years. Um, I still have the company; uh, it's called WTS Drums. If you check it out online. And, uh, we got, we manufacture drums. We, uh, we're in Sweetwater and some of the bigger retailers. Um, it's still a startup company, but, um, I've got patents all over the world for the technology and, um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's cool, but, um, building that company, uh, I, I realized how much I really missed blacksmithing. I, I couldn't shake it. You know, it's, uh, it was something that I just, I really, really missed and I just didn't have the means to do it. And, um, then uh my girlfriend at the time her parents moved up to Whitefish and we decided to go up and visit and uh for Christmas and we went skiing and when you are at the top of Whitefish Mountain <laughs> and on a clear bluebird day you can see all the peaks in Glacier National Park and I was like sold I I want to live here this place is just fantastic and mm-hmm. um and my my in-laws had bought a nice property um and I had a big work big workshop and they said we could come and live in the upstairs of the shop. Oh my I'm gosh! Like, sweet. I, I, a year later, we were there, and um, so my father-in-law was a uh, a woodworker his whole life. He uh, built houses, and this was like his dream shop. You know, it's like a forty by eighty uh, heated workshop. It's just an absolute dream. And and so he was, uh, yeah. He you know he he got it all ready to go and. Right around the time when he was starting to build stuff, he got diagnosed with ALS. And I don't know if we're oh. fin- I don't know if fin- later with that, but a, a year yeah. later we lost him. No um, way. Su- oh. Super healthy dude. Just I mean, he was you know he was skiing 100 times a year. He was you know super active, healthy guy. Uh, and it was hard. It was just it was it was tragic, you know. And uh, but you know, um, ultimately, while he was still around, I was starting to uh collect some tools. Uh, actually uh Terry Chambers, the guy I told you about in Jackson Hole. He gave me a call and he was like uh I think he was upgrading some tools and he was like, You want that big blue power hammer? It's yours. Come get it. And I was in the truck the next day. i hooked up yeah, I mean it it was in disrepair, nice you know? deal. Yeah, I mean it was seized up, you know, it 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 hadn't gotten a lot of love and, and definitely was pretty worked and uh, um but yeah he got himself, you know, self contained or something and he was just like, I don't wanna keep fixing this thing just get it out of here and uh and that started it man you know i mean a power hammer like yeah that's that's a that's a expensive piece of machinery you know yes. um that that knowing you know doing the architectural stuff i wasn't about to start a business with an anvil you know mm-hmm. it's just like no. I, I i i know what it's like to make hundreds of feet of railing it's like you know i don't want to kill myself but uh but having that power hammer started this business it and so yeah. I mean, it was kind of this combination of having a space to actually work in, you know, it started off as this little corner of, you know, my father-in-law's shop and like a virus. It's as it does. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, you know, again, I was just starting to get my, my tools set up. I didn't know I was going to start a business. I thought this was, I was just like, sweet. I have a little area to forge again. You know, I can make some bottle openers or whatever. And, uh, And then, you know, I think it was right around, yeah, it was right around the time COVID hit. And, you know, that was like right when I had launched my drum company officially, because it took like five years of getting patents and pouring money into R&D until we had a finished product. And so like a few minutes before or a few uh, months before uh, or after we launched COVID hit, the whole industry shut down. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, we have nowhere to sell our drums. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that kind of instigated me, you know, realizing, like, I need a separate income. You know, I need uh, mm. something that's going to pay the bills while I keep investing into the, the company and, um, and to keep it alive, basically, to alleviate that pressure from the company. So um, I one of my business partners uh, commissioned me to build a WASP. I don't know if you saw that. If you scroll down on my Instagram, you're gonna see probably the coolest thing I've ever made. It's 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 down kind of towards the bottom, but it's a uh, it's a, a forged aluminum and stainless steel wasp uh, with a five foot wingspan.
2: That's the I image, never... that's five feet
1: across. Mm-hmm. That's the image on your your main logo image, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. Yep. So it was totally outside my box. I mean, I had. It, it incorporated some t- techniques I had always wanted to try. Um, and, but basically he, you know, he's my business partner and he, he's like, I'll, I'll give you five grand up front oh, wow. to make me a, this sculpture. Take as long. He's like, take as long as you need to. That's the deal. And I was like, that's awesome. So
2: that's a dream with that fi- client right there.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so with that five grand, I um, let's see with that five grand I spent 6,500
2: <laughs> and <laughs> as you do
0: <laughs> and I uh I got got myself a little welder like a multi-process welder I uh um I needed something that would weld to, you know twenty and, and yes. get some better penetration uh I built myself a layout table uh to, you know and I, I realized I was like you know what if I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it right so all the tools that I built I was like I'm building this to have forever so I built a four by eight Layout table, one inch thick top. I uh, yeah, beam frame, nice casters, wired. You know, I've got is, receptacles is, on all sides.
1: Is it right beside What's you? What's it? Is that? It, is it right yeah, beside yeah. Let me see it. Show, show me on the.
2: Yeah. Lando yeah. and welding tables and layout yeah, tables. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's, it's a little
0: messy, but, you know, I got my. Got my you know, and it's on I'm wheels
1: storage.
0: too? Oh, yeah. It's on wheels. I got these receivers in all the corners. So I've got all this, you know, like my vice and stuff. Be... It can it can go anywhere. Um, I've got a big – I got a Lazy right. Susan that's, you know, like two two feet wide round that spins, and that can go in anywhere. So like when I did the Wasp, I had it up on the Lazy Susan, and they could spin it around when I was working on it. Oh, um, so but, but yeah, you know, again, you can see the, the outlets. They got storage underneath. Uh, this is all my just spacers, you know, everything from uh 32nd inch to inch and a quarter. Okay, I just have chunks of spacers so whenever they're. For needed.
1: the listeners, yep. um, what he's pointing at right now is under the lip of his table, there's the I-beam that carries as the frame underneath the table. He's got one flange of the I-beam set up so that it's got a lip on it and he has a bunch of paint cans, little mini paint cans stored there that he's got full filled with all of his spacer parts.
0: Yeah, so it's just you know all that efficiency um but uh yeah actually here i mean if we're, if we're doing this let's do it right Did so, I, I think
1: uh, I just posted well. i just posted a video. Right before we started a reel about how I just added a piece of flat bar to my welding table so that I can hang all of my clamps and my angle grinder from it. Dude, your table blows mine out of the water. I'm so jealous.
0: It's it was it was worth every penny, you know. It's yeah. like if I'm going to build a table, let's do it. Um, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I, I bought bought this little welder here, um, and this thing is awesome. I don't know if you've ever heard of Razor Weld. It's great, you know. For 1,200 bucks, it it welds 110 or 220 mig stick tig and i got a spool gun for it nice. like and, it, and it, it's awesome um but yeah so the welder the uh, the layout table rocking the harbor freight you guys have harbor freight in canada
1: no we have princess auto it's Is basically it like,
2: the same same yeah. same thing
0: yeah okay so yeah so you know i got my little little bandsaw, yeah. and uh trying to think what else i mean Oh, oh! And I built the forge. That's right.
1: Was that a big punch? So, Was that a big punch press behind you?
0: Oh yeah. Well, I'll, we'll we'll get there. I've got. I'll show you the tools I started with here. <laughs> oh. So I built the, I built this forge chili style. You know, looks just like a chili forge, but yeah. I didn't want to spend fifteen hundred bucks. Uh, so I built it to the same specs. I think I spent five hundred bucks, and but anyway, you know, built that, made all my tongs, my uh, you know post vise and all that, and and. Uh, yeah, you know, that got me functional. And uh and then I was able to build that wasp and um and then yeah, you know, I just started calling around and you know, talking to um builders and stuff and yeah. and it's been a slow build, but uh but now yeah, now I've been able to upgrade some stuff. So um so now I can show you the rest of the fun stuff. So that was the original anvil I started on. It was a this little 75 pound Trenton.
1: Nice. You nice. Um, still got it? Uh,
0: yeah, this is a little uh, press I just picked up. This is the tooling I was working on. Uh, so, So I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to drift uh, square holes on the rake.
2: Yeah, uh, I was just looking with, at that going, that looks with like the a press. project to figure yeah, out. With
0: yeah, with the press. So I, I'm almost there. I'm, I, I screwed it up at the end today, but uh, I think I'm, I've got it figured out. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I really like to stay pretty organized. So I got, uh, this cool little bucket system that, you know, yeah. has all my, my steel and stuff. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Upgraded to a proper bandsaw. Oh, um, hydraulic drop. Yeah. Now <laughs> this guy is a, uh, uh, Mubea ironworker. So oh. it, you
1: know, it's
0: from the forties. Um, I don't know the tonnage on it, but I think it'll do like inch and a, inch and a quarter.
1: Mechanically solid. driven.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 it's awesome. It's uh, I worked in a shop, one of my buddies uh, in Colorado. Ooh, that's somebody you guys need to check out, Dying Breeds. Uh, my buddy Josh Bales in Colorado, uh, he does some su- super cool stuff. He's probably the most creative person I've ever met. Uh, but I was working in his shop and he had a, a giant version of this. This guy looks small compared to him. <laughs> wow. Um, but but man, these are just amazing. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the uh, mechanical, uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, iron workers. Um, For good reason. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've always been of the mindset it's like, respect the tool, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of it. If you're you're afraid of it, you don't have control over it, you know. Uh, That's the way I see it. So I have all the respect for this machine. Uh, You know, the reason that people are afraid of these is just because when you hit go, it's going to do a full cycle. It's going to cut. Mm -hmm. And if you got, it doesn't matter what's in between those blades, it's going to do a cut. So
1: Okay. um So I'm, uh, I'm
0: I'm very careful with it, but
1: I hate to interrupt you, dude. Yeah. What was the name of your friend again? Dying. Oh, dying breeds. Okay, so whatever you do. Yeah, I just looked them up. Looked don't cool. <laughs> do do not type just dying into Instagram because I just got <laughs> I'm I'm getting all these like things like contact a helpline help is here for you. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not.
0: <laughs> No, add add breeds, B R E E D S. And you'll see some cool stuff. He uh he, he does some iron work and he does a lot oh, of other work. Yeah. In, but just super artistic dude. Followed. Um yeah, absolutely. Uh but yeah, so this thing's amazing. I mean, I can you know, if I got a railing job, I can, you know, shear all my balusters in like in, you know, half an hour. It's am- it's amazing. I can I can put a stop on the other side of this guy. You know, so it'll do. You know, square bar and round bar and angle iron and flat flat bar and uh, you know, I can I can I can put a depth stop on the other side of this thing and just oh, cool. shear balusters all day long. Um, yep, it's got the punch right there. You know, so that's so obviously super efficient. Yeah.
1: Do you not? Do you don't think you could do square holes on that? Not on the rake.
0: No. And plus, I'm doing it hot. I'm drifting. Ah. So, yeah. um, I don't. I mean, like, there might be a way to do it, but. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to push that machine in that way. Like, I don't feel like I'd have the control, especially because it's mechanical, you know, you can't like stop mid stroke and make an adjustment. Like,
1: um, but
0: yeah, since I'm doing it. Yeah. But it'll, it'll punch, you know, square holes uh, through flat. No problem.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: So like for this railing that I'm prototyping right now, like that's, that's kinda that's my process is on the stair sections is I would drift on the on the press and then uh on the balcony sections would I'd, I'd punch it on this guy. Um hmm. uh, but yeah, and then I got my bridge port. Um uh, it's the machine I never knew I needed
2: until I own one and now I can not live without <laughs> that thing. It's, yeah, milling machine. What's with the tarp tongue around? On it? The angle there too. What's that? You set up on the angle on that one too.
0: Yeah, well, so that's how I'm I'm kinda cheating. So what I'm doing is I'm drilling I'm milling the angled hole so that all I have to do is drift ah, it on the press. Right on.
2: Yeah, no, that yep. makes sense. What, yep. is,
1: what is the purpose of the tarps hung around it?
0: Oh, so that's how I kind of have that shop sectioned off. Um, so I've I'm still you know running the drum company. So the middle uh, section of the yeah. shop I warehouse um, product, and then the other side of the shop is a wood shop. Um, uh, so I do a what um, you know I, the the tools and everything that my father-in-law. uh, left to my wife. Um, cause she actually does some woodwork too. And, uh, um, but it's, it's become, you know, kind of a goal of mine to learn fine woodworking as well and incorporate both mediums. Um,
2: yes. So awesome, really buddy. makes a lot of sense for the kind of stuff you do.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd really, I really want to get in the furniture realm. You know, um, yeah, I built a, uh, a 10 foot Walnut book match dining table with 12 steel chairs. Um, uh, it was a year and a half ago, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. I'm like, I want to do more stuff like that. So, um Absolutely.
1: Do you? Yeah, but uh, do you know who Mystic? Yeah. Do you know who Mystic Forge is? Uh,
0: no, I don't think I do. You, no. you
1: need to follow Mystic Forge. He's actually not far from you. He's up in um, southern Alberta, which I oh, cool. Yeah, it's not too far from you, and he does the. You would fall in love with his work right away, and he's an amazing gentleman i highly recommend you check them out
0: excellent yeah absolutely will um but yeah you know and then uh, the rest of it i got a plasma cam um i don't really offer plasma work but it's great for like you know making grape leaves and stuff like that you know i my blanks um it's awesome
1: how Uh, big is the table
0: uh just a little four by four
1: nice i was just looking at plasma cam actually but it's uh they're pricey man
0: yeah. Yeah. They're not cheap. This was, a uh, this was another score from my, my uh, old boss in Jackson hole. Dang, um, dude. yeah, yeah. He just, he was, he was just moving up in the world and, you know, kind of at that point in life where he was able to just, uh, you know, not waste any energy on things that didn't serve him. So he's like, get this, get this thing out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was great. But, uh, yeah. And then the forging forging area, you know, uh, th- if you, if you've never used one of these, this is, I, what? So uh, I, 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 I got to remember that we're on a podcast and nobody can see what I'm pointing my phone at, but, uh, basically it's a, a straightening jig and all it is, is a, a semi-truck brake drum, uh, with some, um, as the base, which serves as awesome bases, by the way, uh-huh. you know, t- and uh nice heavy piece of cast iron and, uh, but it's two pieces of railroad track about a foot long and, uh, sorry guys, I don't know how many, uh, centimeters that is. But uh yeah, we work in the interior <laughs> most of the time. So, but, uh, but uh anyway, it's it's just a straightening jig, you know, if you're trying to straighten a piece of steel, you don't necessarily want to put it on an anvil cuz you don't want it backed up. You know, you don't want to yeah. forge a piece you're trying to straighten. So as soon as the back of your piece hits hits your anvil, you're forging, you're not straightening. Right. So what this tool does is it basically just has these two pieces of railroad track that I have a void in between, so it supports each side of where you're hitting your material, and it just keeps things clean. It's it's fantastic for uh, straightening anything, and I just you know I keep that in the vicinity. Um, but yeah, you know, power hammers. I got my uh, little giant fifty pound.
2: Uh, oh, wow. 19- oh, there's a little giant in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's,
0: uh, nineteen or nineteen eleven. I honestly, it the jury's still out how useful it is in the shop here. I just love it. I think the reason it's there is just because I love it way too damn much. Uh, It's just so cool, you know, like usefulness. It's like, you know, I don't can't really use. I mean, I could use top tooling if I wanted to change the pitman, you know, adjust things and and all that. But I just have some like planishing dies on it. And uh, and that's where it served its purpose is just kind of a third third station for planishing. But
2: Hmm.
0: um, but yeah, and then the the bulls are awesome. Yeah. Oh, and you know what I've realized? So when I was, uh, doing, a, I haven't had in the shop that long, but, um, I was doing some texturing samples for some railing and I realized because it moves a lot faster than my bull hammers, yep. uh, it's, it's great for texturing, uh, yep. especially cause the dies are pretty wide that are on it too. You know, it's, it's not a heavy texture, but, uh, it's, it's efficient. It's fast. And, uh, um, I, I have some little, little bit of issues with how I have it mounted right now, but, uh, but no, it's, it, it's, um, you know, unless, Something better comes along. I have a feeling it'll stick around. But, uh, but the bull hammers again. If you ever get a chance to try these or a phoenix, they are just totally awesome. They are mean machines. Um, but, uh, and then uh, this anvil. Uh, I got this from a vintage tool works. You guys, you know those mm. guys? Oh yeah. Or a Scout, man, love it. Yeah. So, uh, I bought that from him. It's a South German, uh, two hundred fifty pound beauty um, forged, and it's a dream. I'd never never quite experienced an anvil like that before. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the forging area. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great one man shop. You know, I don't think I'll ever have an apprentice or anyone else in here. Uh, I've been there before, you know, I've, I've worked in these shops with several people and I don't want to spend all my time trying to find work. You know, mm-hmm. um, I want yeah. to, I want to I build stuff. So, um, yeah the sec- middle section of my shop you can see is just uh a, like a inventory. yeah yeah pretty much shipping oh, yeah. and receiving and then uh and honestly the, i really want to expand the metal shop because the wood shop's actually bigger <laughs> um oh, dude. but oh, that's it, a nice it, wood shop yeah Close no it's, it's it's a good amount of space it's it's that's very nicely set nice. up so nice overhead
1: uh, ventilation and everything too mm-hmm.
0: yep yeah, and uh, drums, drums everywhere. I do all my prototyping for the, the company here.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, so, again, I don't know if you're familiar with how normal drums are put together, but with mine, uh, they tune like a guitar. So, you just turn that one knob and it tunes the entire drum. Oh, cool. And so, that's my, that's our oh. technology.
2: Oh, well, that's yeah. nifty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah
2: that's so, definitely uh, a, like like one of those, like, what? how hadn't somebody thought of that one before?
1: I'm enough. Well, do that. you know,
2: it's yeah.
1: <laughs> I got a buddy that restores drums. Man, he's gonna love seeing that.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a you know ode to the past because you know rope drums was kind of where it all started. And, yeah, um, and now it's no, got modern technology. And, mm-hmm. That works great. That's it's a dream, but uh but yeah. So that's that's where I'm lucky enough to to work. You know, and um just really grateful every day for being here because. I didn't think I'd be in this position for many, many years, you know, um, uh, you know, albeit by tragedy that we're here, but I, you know, you, you do with life what you can and, uh, and, you know, we're definitely t- making the most of it. So, um, so yeah, well, there were some you pretty know,
2: serious lemons that you had to make lemonade out of.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, such, such as life, but, uh, but, you know, here we are, we, you know, we, uh, uh have had the business for about 2 years. I actually just finished um you know, building a business, you know. I I learned a ton with the drum business and um you know, how to how to run a business, how to run a you know. Business. How to, how, you know, I mean, the fact is like yeah, I could forge before, but if you ask me, you know, uh how much money I'm spending on abrasives each month, I wanna be, mm. I don't know. <laughs> when I when I run out, I buy more, you know, and uh and now it's very intentional it has to be because i'm you know there's bigger money and bigger risk and um you know bigger jobs and stuff and so i i'm always learning you know not only the trade but uh but you know running this business and uh and it's it's starting to work out you know um i've had some periods of being real busy and uh last year was a little little hard i did a lot of investing in the shop but uh it was a little hard but um so far this year's been great because I uh, got a set of fire doors, the ones I most recently posted on Instagram. So those were for which are gorgeous. Yeah, thank you very much. I like I agonized over those just to make sure they were right. Like more, th- I mean, they would turn out just as good if I didn't agonize. <laughs> you know, but uh, but it was for one of the biggest builders here. They that's they do awesome. really nice work, and um, you know, and I want my work to speak for itself, and that's the reputation I want to build and. Uh, so yeah, I got those doors done with a matching set of fire tools, and I installed them. And while right as I finished the install, the, the owners walked in and saw it, and they loved it. I'm like sweet, you know. If they pass that on to the project manager, I'm golden. Yeah. Project manager showed up, she loved them. And then uh, and then after I left, uh, like a, a couple hours later, I got a call, and they're like, "Yeah, the clients like your doors so much, they want you to do all the." In- interior yes. rail. Yes. I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, not only just, you know, cause it's money in the shop, you know, it's another great project, but, um, I'm it's for a, a big builder and, and a great interior designer and, and talk about a compliment, like, you know, no matter what the builders thought of my work for a client to say, I don't want what we had already agreed on. I want this guy to do the work. That Was cool, you know, yeah, that was, that's uh,
2: pretty amazing.
0: It, yeah, so now I'm like ferociously prototyping because <laughs> I have this really cool opportunity where, um, you know, a lot of architectural design is kind of going more modern, right? So there's tons of fa- metal fabrication, yeah, plate steel, cut and weld railing. You know, I don't want to be a welder, um, but that's the des- where Wait a lot of the designs go.
1: Wait a minute, you hosers take off i'm a welder <laughs> i use a welder welding's
2: fine it's, but as welding. long as it's just one tool
1: welding is yeah. all Whatever there is that Wel- welding is all that is there's nothing else <laughs> welding is all do
0: Sorry. you guys get like slightly offended if somebody says oh you're a welder I like do it just a little bit. I'm like, it's like asking a company, yeah. like, oh, you're you're a hammerer. Like, no, that's one yeah. of the tools I use. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a welder. Yeah, and, be and,
2: if people ask me to weld stuff, it's like, dude, you don't want me to weld anything.
0: <laughs> Please sign this waiver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but
2: uh, I've um, I've, it's I've like made I've got it. a Canadian tire welder that has been very very much worn out and is still like
1: limping along. I've, I have I've very well have made a name for myself in the last, I don't know, five years, probably at my place of employment. They all know me as much more than just a welder now at this point. But for the longest nice. time, yeah. I was just a welder for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and I, not that, no offense to the welders because, you know, because the other reason I never call myself a welder is because I haven't dove that far into the craft. I love watching videos of, you know, guys laying down a beautiful TIG bead. You know, Mm -hmm. and then usually their example of what not to do is like, yeah, that's what my TIG beads look like. That's why I grind them all. But,
2: (laughs) you know. (laughs) uh, A grinder uh, and paint makes the welder we ate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But, uh, uh, yeah, I make things stick together and that's fine. But, but no, so, you know, interior design, again, it's going this fabrication route. But I see an opportunity, which is uh, just super clean forging, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting those clean lines. Uh, simple design incorporating technical elements. Yep. And that's kind of what I try to accomplish with those doors. You know, you look at those doors, there's nothing that hard about them. I mean, they're, you know, but they're clean. Like they're, they're, you know, it's a clean, very intentional bevel. Um, you know, the collars, I it was my first time doing forged corner collars that are tenoned. So there's no weld whatsoever in those. And, uh, you know, I learned that from watching Mark Aspery videos. Mm. And, and, um, nice. and, uh, and I you know, tried it and it's like, you know, and, and so that's kind of the direction I'm going. So now I have this railing job uh, to bid or, you know, to see if I can give them a design that they want. And, um, and so I'm trying to really push myself and like, so drifting this, these squares on the, on the rake and, you know, doing square passers and stuff in more of a clean, modern setting. Um, I see a cool opportunity. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, you know that's that's been my journey building the business is just uh, um, you know trying to trying to get on everyone's radar. You know this yeah. is kind of a small town and people are really uh, uh, I think loyal to the subcontractors they work with and and so I think if I can get in and you know just at least get a few jobs under my belt that uh, I can let my work speak for itself. Yep. Hopefully that'll snowball n- until. I'm no longer having to reach out, you know, and people are, are calling me for work. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been a ride though. You know, starting your own business is not easy. Build a oh. shop is, uh, you know, I mean the structure was already here, but just man, going from like, you know, Craig's shop where just every tool you could imagine is there to, like, you know, starting off with, like, a power hammer and an anvil, it's like, I have to, you know, I have a lot of tooling to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still always making tooling. It's amazing.
1: Um, well, and I can uh, imagine that I'm... that transition of having worked in a large shop with all of the tooling before put you in a position where it was really hard to fathom not having all those tools where... Whereas you take somebody who's never worked in a shop like that before. And as they start attaining these tools, it's like, it just kind of grows on them and they grow into it. But for you, it's a little bit of a different story. And, And I fully respect the fact that you you have an understanding of what these tools can bring to you as far as a as a business goes. And I think that that's there's a key point to that, like you you hear a lot of people tell you, you don't need all of these fancy things and you don't need this and you don't need that, you know. Um, one of the big things that I, I see a lot for beginner blacksmiths is they they all want an anvil and people are like, don't worry about having an anvil, just start on a railroad track. And it's like, yes and no, because we know as like at this point in our blacksmithing careers, we're not going to go back to hammering on a piece of railroad track. It's just not efficient compared to using an actual anvil. And knowing that, why would you recommend to somebody to use something less efficient? Go ahead. I can jump yeah, in I mean, on this. Go,
0: one. Yeah, go for it.
2: <laughs> I think the idea is for people who are just starting to try it out and try it out as a hobby, um, you aren't in a position where you've got enough skill to actually have that make that big a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's more about making getting into blacksmithing something that's accessible inexpensive easy that way people can sort of develop the love of the craft and that's when you start eventually doing things like buying an anvil buying you know certain types of tooling and stuff but i mean fuck. when i started out i had a, a shitty old rivet forge and or actually no i've started like, real started out it was with a a wood stove and a block of freaking steel screwed down onto a piece of firewood. Well, you know, until my dad finally kicked me the hell out of his workshop because I kept melting the damper on his wood stove. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's
1: an example of where I come from on this. When I first started snowboarding, I was, I think I was about 14 years old and we were going through Walmart. I grew up in a town that didn't even have a Walmart. We were, um, I can't remember where we were. Oh, in Thompson, Manitoba. They had a Walmart in Thompson, Manitoba, of all places. Some interesting... Saw some interesting stuff there, that's for sure. But anyways, we're walking through the Walmart, and I see they have snowboards with bindings on them. Like, a legit snowboard with metal edges and bindings. And I, like, literally... Grabbed my mom's leg and was like, "Nope, we're not leaving Walmart till that thing comes home with me." I pulled pulled that one on her, like a little like a little seven year old, and I was fourteen. And she's like, "Fine, all right. It's your Christmas present. It's your birthday present, and it's your Christmas present again next year. Sounds good." I loved snowboarding so much that I forced myself to use that snowboard. It was so brutal dude it was so floppy that I couldn't hold an edge properly on it it was too short for me so I had brutal control on it the width of the board wasn't enough so my boots overhung it brutally and I didn't have proper boots either I was wearing bloody sorels in this thing but I love snowboarding so much that I pushed myself to use it until I got to a point where I was able to afford buying, buying my own snowboard and when I went and bought my own snowboard and I realized the difference it made having a proper snowboard setup versus that cheap piece of crap dude fuck I was so mad that I hadn't pushed myself to try harder to buy a proper snowboard setup way earlier if if you know you truly love something fucking go all out dude but if you, if you're like you're explaining where you're in that like Hobby zone, you're not sure if this is what you want to do, and me, I just want to try it out. Yeah, I guess go and buy a yeah, man. I see, go find a friend.
2: You need need it, like, just just want to try out blacksmithing. You got a claw hammer, you got a like campfire, you got a you know, lump of something hard. You could
1: try blacksmithing. Don't use your dick.
0: You know, I think there's a, yeah, you know, there's there's obviously there an argument go. on both. There's an argument on both sides of it. Uh, not on that last point. I think we can all have a unanimous. Uh, yes, we can all that, agree. But... <laughs> do not use your dick as an animal. But No matter uh, how you hard know, you
2: think it is.
0: I mean, ultimately, you know, and I think this this holds true in a lot of cases. You just got to do what's right for you. Yeah. Do do what you can with what's available to you. Yeah. Period. You know, and that goes that goes well into your blacksmithing career. You know, you ask five blacksmiths how to do something, you'll get seven different answers. You know, it's, you, <laughs> you take the information. At least. So you, you process it. So and, you know, and you do what's right for you and what works for you. You know, um, I walked, you know, when I first started blacksmithing, again, I walked into a fully outfitted shop as an apprentice. And like, that's how I started, you know. Um, you know, I, I totally get people starting with just, you know, the the super basic stuff. I guess, you know, one thing about like, just not starting with at least a basic level of, you know, like a hunk of steel, you know, to, to hit on, you know, even, even just a chunk of steel, if you don't even, if you don't have that, you know, you could potentially get discouraged from the craft. Cause you're like, I can't get this metal to move cause you don't have the experience of like what it's like when there's actually a mass underneath it. You know, um, you know, throughout my life of, you know, starting two businesses and stuff. Uh, I think the value of mentorship has grown exponentially in my mind. And, and if you're interested in something, find somebody who's doing it.
1: Absolutely.
0: See if you could be a fly on the wall. I just see if you can watch them. See if they'll let you pick up a hammer, or whatever it is, you know, cause then you can see how it's supposed to be done. And, uh, and I think that's where, you know, again, the, the tooling side of things, you're right. I come from, from a totally different perspective because I, uh, like, yes now I've had to start a shop from scratch, but I learned how to use all these tools and I recognize like, okay, this is how you make money doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
2: and you know like, what you need and what you don't for the kind of style of work you're doing. Totally. You know, yeah. And that it, level of experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh and, but I'm lucky, you know, I think it's uh you know, I think I'm privileged <laughs> because I got to work for Craig
1: yeah no and well, no like, offense dude you advantage. you are privileged man and I, I i want to backtrack a little bit on what you're saying there with the mentorship I, i've never really brought that up before on the podcast dude but that is my that's been my shtick man i have leaned on so many high profile people on how do they do this dude and <laughs> i i fully believe that's why i've advanced as quickly as i have and i mean Definitely. we're all
2: giant we're giant
1: nerds all, we have to be at least a
2: little bit of a nerd to be blacksmithing in the 21st century and yeah. we all love sharing what we're talking about right yeah you're gonna find the occasional curmudgeon but like for the most part you ask any blacksmith hey can you show me what you're doing like give me five minutes of your time well you're probably getting a couple hours
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's uh I, I very much encourage anyone interested in, in a, a, a craft to, to seek that out. Cause that's just been huge for me, you know, so, uh, cause you know, you're, you're learning from their experience is what you're doing. Like you don't have to try something 50 times, to- fail 50 times to figure out how to do it. Right. You know, if, if somebody shows you how to do something, right. You just saved them a, a lot of your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like and you, I, this and is you why add I'm not making eyes.
1: Right, Nick? This is, remember we've talked about this before? There's a level of knowledge I believe you should ascertain before you start doing something. Save yourself those you simple have got mistakes. All, you have got all the experience you need, Lando, to
2: make a knife. And you have sold a knife. Henceforth, you are now a knife maker. <laughs> <laughs> you have made a knife. You have sold a knife. You are a knife maker. Sure, sure, sure. If you want to call it a knife. Uh, yeah. I'll be right back guys. Yeah. Do it up
1: bud.
0: Yeah. I've I've kind of refused to make knives. (laughs) Well, and
1: there's (laughs) a side to that because it takes you away from focusing on the type of work you're doing. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unless I see a way for it to apply. So, um, so certainly like, so I haven't really done any uh, uh, pattern welding or anything like that. Mm -hmm. i have interest in that because i can see an application in the ornamental side you know um, me too dude i've seen i've seen some cool demonstrations of uh you know layered steel being put into the ornamental stuff so that's where i have interest um or at least i had interest until i uh you know realized how much i have to blast my forge to get it up to welding temperature i'm Mm -hmm. like i'm just burning money right now like
1: yeah but you're running a venturi system right
0: I am yeah, yeah. i'm it, it seems like it has to it has to really upgrade. you know have some pretty high pressure
1: upgrade that stuff, dude, even when it doesn't come to forge welding, if you're running forced air, you're getting a way more efficient burn, double yeah. go even further and go to a ribbon burner, and holy frick, dude, you will be mind blown how efficient your forge becomes,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely look into that, you know. I uh when I built the forge I have um it was based on not really having a lot of knowledge of forges. I've just always used what was around, you know what I mean? Like and most how, of them are homemade. So How big is the uh,
1: inlet on the top of the forge for the burner?
0: For the burner? Uh For the burner is like an inch OD.
1: Okay. Because so my um, the burner I had on my pipe had a bell on the end of it that happened to be two inches. Mm-hmm. Well, I cut that bell off because it was originally Venturi. I cut that whole Venturi burner off right to the bell, to the, to the housing. And I replaced it using two inch pipe. But at the end of the two inch pipe, I put probably about three inches, I think of solid two inch round bar with nine quarter inch holes drilled in it. That's my ribbon burner. Oh, Cool. Dude, oh my god! I can't believe how efficient my forge is now compared to the Venturi system, even compared to the forced air. Because with the Venturi system, I it was a, a frosty tea burner, so I just plugged one side of the tea and put a forced air into the other side of the tea, and holy nice. fuck, that was good, dude.
0: Yeah. yeah, if I if I decide I want to get more into that, that I think it would be a necessary upgrade. I'll tell you though, for what I do. 99% of the time I love the forge, like, like this chili style. Um, I made mine kind of custom so that I, you know, dimension wise, uh, so I can fit like four pieces of two inch flat bar in there, you know, cause I'm, I'm often doing a lot of texturing and stuff with the architectural work. That's big. So, I'm, so I made it, I made the opening nine inches wide, so um, I can get four pieces in there and, and, uh, and, you know, I'll run maybe yeah, between five and 10 pounds of pressure and it's yeah, perfect. It's great. Pretty good. So, um, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not bad, but I realized for, you know, again, any kind of forge welding stuff, um, it, it I'd have to do yeah modification or just blast the crap out of it. But, uh, um, there's something that I'm picking yeah, up from you, dude,
1: you're a, you're a very calculated person. You know what you're doing. Essentially. If I was to ask you what you're doing tomorrow, I'm I have this funny feeling. You're like, you've got your day tomorrow already laid out. Yeah. That's I kind
0: of have to be, well, cause I'm running two companies like the, this is a workload that, I mean, even before I started the blacksmith shop, the workload of the drum company brought, you know, brought me to my breaking point on several occasions, yeah. like starting that company, uh, put like, put me through the ringer and um, just the amount of stuff I have to do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm the supply chain manager. I'm the janitor. I'm the, I'm the R and D department. I'm the uh, accounting, you know, or I mean, now we have an accountant. I'm the bookkeeper. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, uh, you know, I'm customer service, I'm sales, I'm all of these things. And now I'm all of those things part of the day and then the other part of the day I'm managing projects and prototyping and sending out bids and
1: Great. and
0: somehow finding time to build and <laughs> you know wow. in between all that so um yeah i mean i'd say now i've settled into this a little bit more um but yeah i i, I i'd say i probably know what the next month the th- 3 months looks like <laughs> not just tomorrow <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so on our last episode i brought up um, well, I want to say last episode, but I'm going off of the where we're sitting right now. I might release another episode between that one and this one, but if I don't, then uh, according to the last episode, there, um, with Ryan Chadbourne or Ryan Coakley, as many know him as, um, it came up into the fact that a lot of the times I really I don't know what I'm what I'm doing, where where I'm going with things, and. Uh, Robert green, I believe is one of the ones that brought it up. No, it wasn't Robert green. Um, Tom Bilyeu brought it up. If you don't know what you're doing in the next 15 minutes, you're wasting your time. And that hit me hard, dude, as a business person, if you don't fall into that, you're going to fail.
0: Yeah. I mean, you definitely got to prioritize your time. I mean, I think actually having a kid has done that for me more than anything. Really? Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. Well, cause you know, my kid doesn't uh, care how much money I make or, you know, he cares about, you know, time and like, yeah. that's the one thing I can't make, No,
1: that's,
0: that's, <laughs> you know, time like, is
1: everything. like yeah. it, that's
0: what you've got. Yeah. It's yeah. become my most valuable you know,
1: that, yeah. thing.
0: I mean, obviously other than my, my family, you know, it's just like. How I spend my time is, uh, yeah, and, and I mean I, I'd i say I'm probably a little uh, compulsive too, you know, about it. Like I get, I actually get kind of worked up if there's downtime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I remember yeah. even when I worked for other people, like they'd be standing around. I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Like I <laughs> get to work. Like, you know, we took our break. Like what are you doing standing around talking? Like I just – I would like to put my headphones in and just work. I just like to be efficient, you know?
1: Well, and I think that's the, there's brought, brought brought up another statement that I heard recently about um, people that are okay with downtime versus people that are, they're, they're scared of being lazy. They're scared of ever looking back at themselves and being like, I was lazy for a moment that I, I can't handle that. Right. And the, the difference between that mindset and the mindset of being okay with being lazy is the reason there are people like the the crazy business owners out there I don't want to start dropping billionaire names and stuff like that but uh, Tom Bilyeu is a very prime example of it if you follow him on on Instagram or whatever and his reels and the stuff he talks about and he also um leans on stoicism a lot too when it comes to his stuff which is something that I've really been falling into a lot lately is, uh, is understanding that part of human behavior as well. It all this all kind of intertwines with itself to make you as a better person, as a better business person, as a better father, as a better husband. And uh, it's weird because I don't look at this stuff as like being self-help necessarily. Like a lot of people like to read a book on how to become a better person. And I think, You can't lean on just one book. You have to lean on all of these different people and soak up what you can from all of them in order. And I'm soaking up you, dude. I'm soaking you up right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, and and take that info and then find what's right for you. You know, um, like I, yeah, I kind of have like this opposite problem where I have to force myself to be lazy. And but I recognize that it's important you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like Mm -hmm. for mental health like you you've got to have downtime but for me it's got to be intentional downtime like if i zone out flipping through stupid videos for you know too long like i'll feel guilty about that Mm -hmm. if i kick my feet up and pour a glass of whiskey and watch a movie i feel great about that (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like kind of intentional downtime and and um you know treating myself to that you know but um, yeah, you know, I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that can, um, just work themselves into the ground anymore. I used to be, you know, like I'd say before I had a kid, like I'd be out in the shop until 10, 11 at night. Easy. You know, that's one of the, the, actually one of the downsides to having like a home shop Yeah, is the separation between work and, you know, home. Um, but now like I, I, I've, I've found a balance and I feel it's, it's really good. You know, it's, um, you guys, you actually reached out to me at the at a great time because you know um, I right now life is really great and <laughs> um and I and I've been able to really reflect on that and appreciate that, but Rock but part, but it's very intentional, you know. It's like I've built I nothing none of this has really happened by accident, other than you know I mean there's been certain circumstances that were definitely out of out of my control, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but, where I'm at right now, you know has been very intentional in the sense of uh um you know now I have an alarm that tells me to stop work.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know?
0: it's like okay like and and now I know that if I work through that alarm, I don't get to spend time with my kid before he goes to sleep, you know he's one years yeah. old, he goes to bed at seven thirty like if I don't stop work, I don't have time to you know have so my my nightly routine with him, you know and do
1: you so do you I'll stop just, uh, work and then come inside, hang out with him, and then come back to work. I have to keep myself from, uh, going back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it,
0: it happens like every, well, every once in a while, like, I feel like my, uh, my wife will catch me just standing in my shop just <laughs> looking around, you know, I just, yeah. I like to just kind of wander around, but it's, it's also part of that appreciation. It's like, you know what? I worked really hard for yeah. everything here. And then like giving myself that appreciation, like, man, like I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the path I'm on, you know? And, uh, and I think recognizing that, and recognizing when something's not serving you, you know, or, or you know, to to make the change, um, um, you know, big part of intention. I think intention's huge. Uh, I think mm-hmm. what is it, David Nori mm-hmm. out of Colorado? His his slogan is like uh, "forging with intention." Yep, which goes through my head all the time. That's a great great line. Totally. Uh, for me, building my business has been a very big test of intention. Hmm. So, just recently, I turned down a job that probably would have been. Two hundred grand, two hundred fifty grand. What? Because it, and I turned it down because, uh, well, a couple of reasons, but mostly because this would have turned into a fab shop for a year. Oh uh, yeah. And it's hard, you know, like when you're supporting a family and like you know trying to do right by your kid and everything, like it's hard to turn on work. But, mm-hmm. um, but something my father-in-law used to tell me before he passed was, "Keep your eye on the prize." Like, you know, I'm building a brand, and my brand is not, um. Welded together stuff, you know. Yeah, it's just it's just like you know what, I'm gonna do what I want to do as as much as I can. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still have to take those jobs. The other reason I didn't take that job is just because uh again, it would have usurped my whole shop. I would have had to turn down those beautiful set the fire doors that I just got to build, which led to a nice railing that's all sweet forged work. I would have had to turn that down had I accepted that other job. So this this is also
1: why I'm not making knives, Nick. all right all right all right all right
0: kudos to the guys that can make the small stuff the knives and everything and make living man i have the such respect for for that i don't know how they do it like i i really don't like you know i survive off of railing and fire doors and you know sizable projects oh and i'm sure
1: they look at you and don't understand how you do it
0: that that's fair Yeah. yeah But, man, I can't imagine how many knives you'd have to sell to make a good living. It just – yeah. But uh, but there's some incredibly talented guys out there. The answer to that is it,
2: a lot you'd need to sell. A lot?
0: <laughs> a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I don't have to wonder anymore. But
2: yeah. <laughs> like a knife a
1: day. No, I mean. If
2: I was ever trying to actually make money, uh yeah, I would need to be selling – I would probably be focusing more on stuff like the Hold Fast that I've got ironed out into like a really like slick process uh but like you need to just be churning out material no. all the time that's what i think well you got
0: to make things efficient i'm sure
2: right yeah. oh absolutely and the guys who are are really dedicated knife makers and who are really making a go of it they are uh absolutely They're, they've got very slick setups they know their processes and they also kind of are able to work themselves into a niche The same way we
1: all have to, yeah, right, yeah. Like, I I gotta wonder how you you started reaching out to developers. Something told you to do that. Where did that come from, dude?
0: Well, I mean, I again, I had this awesome experience of working for established shops. You know, it's like I could see who, who they're meeting with. You know, they're meeting with builders, they're meeting with architects, they're meeting with interior designers. You know, and it's like. When you're when you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs without work, who can I who's who's looking for this kind of work? Or actually, I'd, I'd say something that I'm running into is uh, the educational aspect. You know, people realizing that this kind of work is still being done, that it's done here, that it can that it has it can apply to modern design. You know what I mean? Like you think of I think a lot of people think of blacksmithing and they think rustic, but you know, there's a, the whole Absolutely. world, of it, right? So there's this educational aspect and, and honestly, like, I don't have the, the, all, all answers for that. You know, I guess I recognized like, um, you know, develop, developing relationships with builders makes sense. Uh, you know, architects, I guess in my mind, it's like, okay, at what point does this kind of design get approval? Right. So um, that's what made me think of like interior designers, you know, and some of them, it's going to apply to and some of them it's not um the same with the architects you know sometimes a lot of times they'll just draw a basic railing it's like insert railing here um and then a lot of times that's what gets built <laughs> it's yeah, like absolutely. you know you, you got to like break in they're like Dude, you're building the $5 million home. Like, let's do something cool. Like, it's, yeah. you know, there's a budget there.
1: Well, that's what um, I thought when I first got into blacksmithing, yeah. not first, when, when, I, when, I, when I felt myself starting to be a, a developed blacksmith making decent work, I reached out to an interior designer. She drove me insane, dude. All Some of them do. I mean the changes, yeah. the yeah. changes going from this to this to this, and it's like, lady, I'm already done building it. I can't do that now. Like literally have to start the project all over again. Okay, well I don't mind Lando, I'll wait another month. What? <laughs> yep. How can your well, client wait yeah. another month? This is insane. <laughs> oh man. that's part of the
0: learning process though, right? Because that very much falls into the business right there. It's like it's like the saying, you know, people will buy what you sell them, right? So when I'm, you know, for the most part, now there's exceptions to everything, but my experience is, um, you know, I set my terms, right? So here's the project, here's the, you know, here's the bid, here's everything that it entails. And at the bottom of it, it says, you know, uh, um, you know, by placing a deposit, I take 50% non-refundable deposit, you know and it's based on all the things listed right there and it, so i've got a disclaimer at the bottom it's like if anything changes that's subject to a change order additional fees you know you 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 have to kind of set those boundaries because otherwise yes again someone someone who is not aware of what we do and you know like the planning that goes into things and how much of uh you know a hit a change like that can make if you're not prepared for that yourself as a business and you know telling people this is the way this is handled then um I can say going a ride you know quickly um but so far I've had pretty good luck you know i've I've definitely had some um learn you know learned the hard way a few times, but you know that's that's the way it goes, and you kind of suck it up and you just uh, you know but just always do what's right. You know, like if I make a mistake or, you know, if I don't tell them that a change is going to cost them more money, it's like, okay, well, let's make the change that needs to happen. And, and now I know for next time, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of choose to run my business is like, uh, you know, it's on my terms, but also you, you got to flex, you got to be a good teammate. You know, you got to, especially I'd say working with builders, there's a lot more of the give and take, you know, I'll be a lot more flexible with builders and stuff. If they're just like, hey, sorry, we had to build it this way. And I'll, you know, I always try to just find the, what works for everybody and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing how many tradesmen aren't businessmen. And, um, I never thought I'd consider myself a businessman, but, uh, uh, I, I, it's really already helped me a lot. Like, again, you know, only two years kind of having my own business here. Um, I'm starting to make a name for myself and at least in my little town. And that's, that's all I need, you know? And I think that, um, you know, it's so far, it's working out pretty well for me, but, but yeah, it's it's a it's a hard thing. There's so many different facets and that's where it kind of goes back to mentorship, right? Like if mm-hmm. I hadn't worked in those shops and seen what, you know, how good businesses are run and seen how poor businesses are run, <laughs> you know, can, like can I've ask, definitely worked for some people that uh, just showed me what not to do. But go ahead. <laughs> question,
1: for, <laughs> question for you. Do you realize you're in a mentorship position at this very moment?
0: I think I'm starting to,
1: but, um, I mean, with this, with the podcast, that is essentially oh. what this podcast is, is we are yep. literally giving a mentorship to other people through this podcast, whether or not we like it, whether or not that's what our intention, people will listen to this and they will gain so much. I am gaining from you so much, my man. Thank you. You're cool. Well, uh, that's, I'm glad to hear, you know, it's, very uh, much it's hard when you're in the,
0: yeah. yeah, well I appreciate you guys. I mean it, it, this it's cool cuz uh, you're absolutely right and I didn't think about it that way. Um I think for me because I still feel like such a student Mm-mm. that it's hard, to reckon, it's, it's hard to recognize that yes over the last you know 15 years or whatever I've I've built some value and some good things to share. Um but you know again I feel like such a student sometimes. Totally. I don't want to like tell people how it's done. It's yeah. like here's how I do it do with it what you will but right. you know <laughs> yeah. don't blame me if it goes around <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's <laughs> the best know? kind of mentorship, right there <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So.
1: so okay approaching developers architects landscapers that kind of stuff how are you doing it do you go in there with a business card are you showing up with your toyota land cruiser what's the deal <laughs> 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 oh. oh i
2: wish
0: i still had that land cruiser i really do you know i uh no, so, I mean, again, I, it's it's kind of this like this game. I throw shit at the wall to see what sticks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, like that's that's it, man. Um, I guess so so. Totally. you know, it started. I uh, cold call and cold email basically is how it started off. Like I'll write an email that says, um, you know, that the, ta- the subject is introduction and inquiry. You know, for ironwork or something like that, and uh, and I just try to be clear and to the point. Like, here's who I am. This is what I do. Here's some examples of my work. Here's my website. I'd uh, I'd love to schedule a meeting. Yeah. You know, and uh, and there's guys like so this builder that I just um, did this fire door for. Um, I didn't I didn't remember, but um, he it was was one of the project managers. I think he uh, he texted me that. A contact the electrician on site or something. And when I got the text, I, I looked at it and I realized I had texted him two years earlier and he ghosted me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you gotta be persistent. And, uh, and, and, and I think it's, I think it's just about people, you know, people hearing your name from several different places. Like that's actually what I've learned building the drum business. It's like, um, you know, you have to get in front of people multiple times before it starts to register. Right. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it started off with some calls. Most people didn't answer the phone Um emails. You know, I'd call it a win if they just responded like, Hey, thanks very much for sending this. For sure. Yeah. You know that most people wouldn't even send that, you know, and if I don't hear from people, I'll try again a few months later or something. Um, and, uh and then just built it's man, uh, at least in the, here and i think it's small towns but i guess it applies to the drum business too it's it's relationships it's building relationships and yeah. and you never know who who you're building a relationship with you know and uh and i guess it, you know kind of just goes along with how i try to live i just you know i just try to be a, myself and a good person to anyone i'm talking to you know and it doesn't really matter who they are i just try to you know um always put my best foot forward when i can and um this guy and, could be you know a good example of,
1: he, he doesn't even know what's it. that he, he doesn't realize that he could be canadian
0: <laughs> i mean i'm I, you know maybe you guys you know i'm not that far from the border. honorary Citizen to leak over or something. <laughs> uh, i actually love canada i i i went on a life-changing motorcycle trip up in canada we can talk about that if you want but <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah i i mean again i'm just you know trying a lot of different things. Right. And then again, reaching out to the interior designers. Um, you know, uh, if I don't hear from people for a while, but I've had some cool work, I'll just send them an email like, Hey, you know, hope you're doing great. Just wanted to share with you some of my most recent projects. Yeah. And I'll just attach a few pictures to the email. And that, you know, that's gotten some response. I was on a ski lift and just chatting with somebody and, uh, and she was a a journalist for a local paper. And then a year later, she did an article on me, you know, and then, and then I get a call from a builder because of that, you know what I mean? And so again, you, you never know if, you know, the person you're building relationship is going to build to something, but you just yeah. kind of do it for the sake of building the relationship. And then if something comes out of it, great, you know, and if not, you're, you're still, you know, becoming part of the community, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, now like some of my, my best friends here, are like some of them are builders or an electrician or, you know um uh you know one of them is does like the admin work for one of the big builders and you know and so it's it kind of the world gets a lot smaller over time and i think that that i think i think that that's the success now one thing that i don't have that a lot of people do is fierce competition so i'm not saying i don't have any competition but i um you know, there's some people here that do some really nice work, but there's enough work to, that, that they're so busy. It's fine. Stacy, um,
1: we're moving to Whitefish. Is,
0: <laughs> when, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, oh,
0: it's a- awful. No, nobody moved to Whitefish. No, it's a- <laughs> it's, it's it's great. Um, I tried moving uh, out that
1: way you know, even before I was a blacksmith, bud.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. It's got definitely got some challenges, but it is a great place. But, uh, but when I was in Colorado, there was a lot of competition. You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd I'd hear about like you know many like blacksmiths bidding on projects and stuff, and uh, and I think that here, um, I have the opportunity to just build a name for myself without trying to underbid people. I actually like a lot of times when I am talking to designers and stuff, I am like, I am not the cheapest person in town, and I am not trying to be.
1: Yeah, you, know, you shouldn't it's, be it, either.
0: If it, yeah, it, yeah, if you got a tight budget, he, you know, here's some people that do some great work that can probably do it more efficiently than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I'm trying to build relationships with my competition. You know, I mean that big that big fabrication job I was talking about that like quarter million dollar job that I had to turn down. I gave them, you know, local contacts. Nice. Like, you know, here's some people to, to support that could probably do this for you. And I think that um, I don't know. That's just how I cho- choose to. To do business and how to operate, and
2: yeah, I think working out so far. <laughs> yeah, I really think that's something that's pretty crucial for us as a community. Yeah, we are, you know, all individuals trying to make it in the world, but we do have a sense of community in the Blacksmithing world. And there's been lots of people who've come to me with projects where it's like, "This is not really inside my scope," but you know what? This guy over here totally would be the perfect person totally. to handle that job for you totally yeah right dude you know well, and, and the other Ottawa big thing have what you call a huge blacksmithing community but there's you know enough people that you can do that
0: yeah yeah, yeah. you know and here you know i guess the one thing i'd say too that I, i'd say it's super important i at least i believe it's important is uh um you know honoring each other's artwork in the sense like i don't know if you've ever had a client come to me come to you with like a picture of somebody else's work like can you build this No, call the, Um, I I say, no, no, call call the art, (laughs) call call the artist who designed that. You know what I mean? If, if they turn it down, like I can, you know, I can create something of my own design that, you know, is in the same realm or, you know, in the the, the same stylistic, you know, if it's an art deco or something like that. But, you know, if you're looking for this piece, call that artist, you know. um,
1: But wait, wait. What happens when a client comes to you with a finished piece and says, I'm not happy with it. The person that made it refuses to do any more work on it. I've already put a bunch of money into it and I do not want to see it to go to waste. Would you finish this for me to my specifications?
0: I'd say in 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 that scenario, I mean, you, you got to make the best decision in the moment, you know. Again, like, yeah, if if another, you know, blacksmith, you know, just doesn't do right by the customer, I kind of, I don't know, lose motivation, to, you know. But either way, I would still, I would still implement my own, you know. So here's a good example, okay? Right. So those fire doors that I just did, right? Um, there were some elements of those. That I learned directly from Craig May, but I, you know, so it's like, and and I, I mean, we do this as blacksmiths, right? Like, we're we're in a trade that's been around for a long time. To think we're doing stuff that nobody else has done, it's yeah. you know, There's it's pretty new unlikely, under the right? Sun, right? There really isn't, but but so to me, it's about composition, right? So it's like you can be inspired by other smiths' work. I see, you know, guys like, um, and oh god, you know, I, I apologize walking. if I don't know. No, if I don't know the right names, but a uh, fire forge, um, you know, he, I've seen him just, uh, do some really cool intentional beveling. Yep. He didn't, he didn't come up with that, but he inspired that. Right. And, uh, and so that's something that like I've implemented in my own work. Um, and then I was in Europe and I saw that same kind of a thing from, you know, 300 years ago. And it's like, okay, like, Again, this stuff has been around, but I think there's an importance in, again, respecting somebody else's composition and then coming up with your with your own. So even in that scenario, I'd be like, um, you know, I'd probably try to insert myself in it in some way so that I was, you know, doing right by the client, but still showing some respect to my fellow, fellow blacksmith as well, you know. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: well, uh, I mean- I was recently put in a scenario like that. And... I nice. decided to go forward with it. Well, we haven't talked about this, Nick. I thought I spoke to you about no. this already. So the that antler project. Like... Oh yeah, the El- the elk antler project that I took on was actually started by another local smith. I'm friends with the gentleman, actually, um, friends acquaintances. We've hu- we've hung out. Um, the, I, I'm hard pressed to call somebody a friend. I, I apologize for that to anybody, but. Um, a client approached me. I didn't know what she was approaching me with, said she had a project that she wanted to she was re- I I was recommended to her and she wanted to you know to know if I was interested. Yeah, I'm I'm interested what do you got? Well I've got these elk antlers that somebody made and there's no detail in them. Um we got them we got the powder coated and I'm not happy with the color of them. We went to go install them and where the where the um bolts where the connectors on them are are were placed on it they weren't placed correctly and now we can't use them they're completely useless to this if at least if the 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 connectors were welded in the right spot we could use this would you be willing to move the connectors first oh frick yeah that's easy i would totally do that for you bring them on down and then i contacted the guy and i was like hey dude so-and-so just showed up with your antlers and has asked me to do these changes to it are you cool with it what you're the guy that got that how did you get that and the first thing that went through my head was wait a minute you refused to do the work and you didn't recommend me to do the work for you <laughs> thanks a lot dude thanks yeah. a lot yeah. yeah yeah so instant. Instant thoughts of not being satisfied with taking on the work and feeling uncomfortable about it, completely gone as soon as I realized that. It was like, when you decided that this wasn't a job you were going to do and you were walking away from it, as if you didn't freaking recommend me, man. Come on. But so, yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, that's one of those unique scenarios, you know, I probably would have done the same thing, you know, ultimately running a business. It's like, okay. So for instance, like the, you know, again, I got this interior railing job. Somebody else had that project.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: You know, and is, um, now that happens to be somebody that I, uh, tried to send them work prior to this even happening, (laughs) you know, like, um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that stuff happens. that, that to me is business. So you, you know, it's like, we, we have a business that's artistic, but you have the art side of it, which again, to me is like very important in having your own identity or, you know, being respectful of other people's designs, especially in something like blacksmithing where, you know, like you have to be pretty creative to come up with your own elements in a, in a way that is unique. Right. And so I think it's just about being cognizant and just trying to be again, tr- just trying to do the right thing. You're going to have those scenarios. I mean, yeah, if somebody else turns down a job, like they're you don't have any reason not to try to help the client out. You know, um, again, it, it might be a tough scenario like that where you know you call that call the original Smith and see what's going on. You know, but um, but again, you, you know, ultimately you can't control how other people feel. You, we can, all we, all we can do is control ourselves, our own actions, you know, do your best, try to be a good person. You know, like some people aren't going to like you. It it happens.
1: Yeah, And don't worry if they don't or whatever, or if they do or they don't, don't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't please everybody. That's, that's for damn sure. So, uh, no, I probably would have done the same thing in that scenario. And again, like when I got this railing job, I wasn't like, oh, those poor other guys lost the job. It's like, sweet no, this client picked my work. I'm not going to feel bad for the people they didn't pick, you know, because uh, you. again, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I think there's a balance. I think there's there's a balance where you can um, you can be a good person. You can be respectful. You can be a good business person at the same time, you know. And,
1: or you uh, could be the type of person that goes and downloads a file from somebody that's created a file for free to other people that download so that they can create the item at home and you can decide to go and Download that file and start putting your own logo on it for sale. Come on now. Don't do that. So is this a particular thing that
2: has happened to you, Lando, lately, where you're
1: uh, maybe expressing some gripes? Man. It fucking blew up, dude. There was people freaking out on him about it. It was a fucking scene. So I'm just suggesting. That maybe don't do that. That if you see something that somebody else has made, even if they are offering it as a free download, don't just take it and do with it as you please for sale purposes. I mean, if you're doing it at home as you please for your own personal work or you want to make one and give it to a friend, by all means. But as soon as you change that logo and start selling it as your item, it's kind of a fucking douchebag thing to do, man. You know, like the the acorn hooks I'm making right now with the acorn and the oak leaf. Oh, dude, what is that?
2: Yeah.
1: Psst, I love you. <laughs> American,
2: American paleo. My aka. Draw works.
0: Oh, okay. so they're pretty good.
1: Ruka. They're out of Missoula. Cool. Yeah,
0: it's
1: oh, not bad. cool. <laughs> um, but those oak leaves that I'm making... If I saw somebody else start to make those, I would feel a little bit upset. But at the same time, it's like th- these are oak leaves and acorns. I can't tell somebody they can't make it, dude. Like, come on. It's, a, it's inspired by nature. Like, anybody can make those. But if you were to literally yep. go and make it exactly like I just made it, you're kind of being a douchebag. Without saying. That's why I
0: tried it. Oh. So, yeah that's why I, I think about composition for myself anyway, again, like, you know, we're all going to approach these things differently, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can make an Oakley for like, you know, I mean, anything, um, you know, add a different texture, put a put your own little spin on it, you know, like find a way to, to separate it so that even if you're inspired by somebody and you're influenced by somebody and, and by all means you can say like inspired by this person, this person, but, um, mm-hmm. But
2: oh, do something like my, with the
0: composition, you know.
2: Yeah. It's a little bit trickier for uh, guys like me who are doing tool making. But, like, you know, the process for me doing my uh, hold fast, it's heavily inspired by the way Torbjorn does his. Now, I do things a little bit differently, and I've got some different steps. But, you know, there's only so many ways to make a hold fast. Sure.
0: Well, that's kind of in the utilitarian realm. I can see that how that'd be a little bit harder to make a distinction. It's like hammers. Um,
1: how many and, and knives? How many different styles of knives are there? Right? Wow,
2: uh, knives is a different thing. I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot more artistry in knives, and than I think a lot of people actually will give it credit to. Whereas tools, they tend to be so utilitarian that there isn't that much space for creativity until you start yeah. well, getting I into mean, doing until you start getting into doing fancy tools. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's where just, uh, you know, like when I think of like nice tools, it's like what, or, you know, a tool maker that's stood out in my mind, well, what are they doing differently? Right. And so for me, uh, Brent Bailey, is like one of my favorite tool makers yeah. oh, he yeah. just does clean work.
2: Yeah. Clean, super. That's clean.
0: it. That's it. It's just clean. I mean, and uh, I mean again, and I'm sure there's a lot of other things that make him stand out. But for me, like um, I saw him demonstrate. You know, I watched him forge out a, a, a angled peen hammer, you know, by hand with a swinging a four or five pound hammer at a Rocky Mountain Smiths conference, and I was like, man, that like this dude knows how to move some metal. And yeah. Uh, and then when I saw his work, it's like, it's just, it's just clean. And,
2: Eleganced.
0: and it just says Bailey on it. And, oh. and so it's, it's such a subtle thing, but, you know, I would think yeah. in the tool making world, really it would just come down to craftsmanship. Yeah. Um, there are and, certain things with yeah. like
2: proportions, right. Certain sure. stylistic mm-hmm. elements, right. Like, you know, Brent Bailey hammers, do have a certain look to them? You can kind of pick them out
1: mm-hmm. But Brian, you know, Brian I mean, Brazil rounding hammer is uh, the, the staple in the community, right? Yeah, all right. But
2: even the Brian Brazil hammer is just like kind of a very slightly different take and a very traditional rounding hammer.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah.
2: You know, like. That's,
1: that's what I consider so it is the traditional rounding hammer, essentially. Well, Brian Brazil did not invent the rounding hammer. <laughs> that's no, no. No, no, but so many people know the process of making them through Brian.
2: Yes, he was a big inspiration for a lot of us. Like, my lineage comes down through Brian Brazil. Right. Right. Because, right, you know, I. Learned, I oh, sorry, God. I learned from Alex Steele, who learned from Brian Brazil. You yeah. know,
0: so. I was just going to say, one, you know, uh, when I try to do an element, that's been taught to me before. A lot of times I'll try to do it in a different way, which yep. can sometimes yield a little bit different result. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, like the handles on those fire doors, there's two ways I could have made that profile. I could have taken a piece of flat bar and upset the ends to create the mass or started with a shorter chunk of steel and draw it out right. to create that mass. I, I was taught by, uh, you know, cause that, so that, that kind of flared element is something um, that I learned from Craig at Dragon Forge, but you know, but I like really looked at him Like I don't want to copy Craig. He, all, I mean, his work influences me every day because he's who I learned from, and, and I, yeah, so you couldn't help that him. that happened. Right? Can't help it. Yeah, no, totally. But uh, but I was like, okay, like you know, here's how he did it this way. I'm going to try to change this, and I forged it a different way than he taught me, and it did yield a different result. I had a kind of a longer longer taper and, and i was like sweet like this feels a little bit more me even though it's very inspired you know by how he did it so um but yeah i mean uh yeah i think um i think for the most part
2: people try to make their own because
0: why would you want to build somebody else's work
1: yeah right
2: i, think <laughs> I mean when it comes down to, it to, this like... to kind of do this and have some uh, form of expression into it as well right yeah.
0: You, know, you gotta love the, it. It's, it's too hard the, if you don't love it. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's part of the joy of doing this is having your stuff be yours. Yeah, right. It's like something that is very distinctly you. At the end of the day, when you've made yeah. you know a project of whatever it is,
1: you you've, yeah. you guys have triggered a lot of deep thinking on on me in this episode. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.
2: Good, because I'm gonna have to tap out here momentarily
1: because I'm in yeah. a lot of
2: pain. Uh ah, pain. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: Come on, man. You can't deal with pain. Come on, you hoser.
2: <laughs> I've been dealing with pain for like
1: three months and it's getting really old, man.
2: It's getting yeah. really old.
1: Sucks, bud. Well, it yeah. is late. It's uh it's ten thirty on my end here. I'm pretty sure the wife is gone to bed now. I know the kid's been gone to bed since we started, so probably a good uh good idea for us to call because I I want to keep going, dude. I honestly, like I'm really enjoying this conversation with you, Sam. You're uh an inspirational dude thank you
0: well thank you this has been a lot of fun you know i don't yeah this is uh, a great chat man I, it's, not, it's not something i'm really hoping to do in the future you know is get to go to more conferences and stuff and even just building a you know becoming part of the blacksmithing community up here in the northwest it's just not something i've had the time to do Oh, dude. Um, so this is, this has been a great reminder of just like how awesome it is to be able to chat about this stuff because like I'm sitting in my shop like all giddy about my own tools if I try to tell my wife about it. And she's very understanding and, and, and humors me like, oh, yeah, yeah, Bridgeport, cool. But it's definitely fun to, to geek out about this stuff and, and talk oh, about yeah. this stuff. Uh, are
1: you That's one of the be... best part of the podcast. Yeah. Are you going to go to Abana's 50th happening June 6th to 9th in Johnstown, Pennsylvania?
2: Uh,
0: no, I won't be able to make it out, I mm-hmm. believe. Actually, we'll be up in um, uh, Vancouver Island. Uh It's my mother-in-law's birthday, so I think we're going to take a little trip up there.
1: Oh, sick, um, dude.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um yeah. if you, the listeners are available, John, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, beautiful town, amazing place for metal work. Abana is going to be holding their 50th anniversary conference in in Johnstown. June 6th to 9th, live demonstrations, team forging competitions, something for everybody. Bring the kids, bring the family, check it out. You guys don't want to miss this event. It's going to be great. And as always, let's double down on this, guys, real, real quick here. Maritime Knife Supply, Hit them up. Use the code FSCKILN. Save yourself 100 bucks on freaking Paragon and even heat kilns. You cannot go wrong. Upping your game to a heat-treating kiln. Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Or .ca. Use that code FSCKILM at checkout. Save yourself $100. There's somebody else that we were going to bring up here. Who, who was it? Oh, our man Dawson Detwiller. Hit up Dawson at Detwiller.com. No, De com. Sorry. Use the code forgechat 10 Save yourself uh, 10% on orders. $50 or more. I'm like all over the place here. I, I wasn't expecting to drop three sponsors all at once. I apologize. I do not like that aspect of podcasting where it's like listen to our sponsors it's i really do like bringing them in through the episode and weaving them into natural conversation it feels so much better to me and i as it's a definitely a better
2: way to do it yeah
1: yeah uh, as a listener of podcasts dude somebody who's gonna spend 15 minutes at the beginning of a podcast doing ad reads take off eh
2: take off yeah no we usually kind of uh weave them in a little better but uh i don't know i just i think we were just, just so engrossed in the conversation yeah it was a good one dude very good one
1: thanks yeah. um, this
0: is fun yeah i need to get out more <laughs> <laughs> you think you do well,
2: you, <laughs> see me at this yeah. point You're i can't welcome even to get come to, to my shop
1: Welcome to come to Winnipeg and visit anytime you want, man. I'll show you around the city if you ever do come to Winnipeg. And I extend that to anybody. If you are ever in Winnipeg, feel free to reach out to me. I know the city fairly well. I am more than willing to let you know where to go, where the good spots are. Heck, we might even go out for dinner if you want to. So feel free to drop me a line if you're in Winnipeg and we can see where you're at. Maybe we can meet up. Maybe you can come do some forging while you're here. Sam, I would be over the moon if you ever came to winnipeg and did some forging with me that would be oh, a that'd
0: moment. be fun doors always open here in whitefish too you know i just love meeting you know meeting people interested in the trade doing the trade i mean you know again i could talk about this stuff all day i love you know showing people tools and how to use them and um and just chatting and this is this has really been great so certainly if you ever find yourself in whitefish we'll uh We'll get you a proper uh, Walmart snowboard and, uh, <laughs> and hold on. Go have some fun on the mountain.
1: <laughs> Two minutes. I got to go pack my bags.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Plane ticket oh, booked.
1: Yeah, no, I would love to be in Whitefish, dude. Oh my God. freaking amazing. You are so lucky where you live, dude. Like literally in your whole life story. Jealous, man. Just a little jealous. It's,
0: it's been an adventure, you know, and, uh, and I'm just grateful. I, I am. I'm. I'm very lucky and uh, just very grateful to be where I am right now. And yeah. uh, you know, life uh, sometimes unexpected things happen, and it can all go away real quick. So you know,
2: <laughs> enjoy
0: what you've got when you've got it. You know, yes, sir. Yeah. Just,
1: right. uh, you
0: know, yeah. You well, know. oh. right but no, I'm very, very lucky, and uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out and and uh, and doing this with me. This was fun. Sure,
1: buddy. On that note. Amazing good
2: day yeah for some reason i just feel absolutely compelled to do the music myself whenever i'm on
1: well you listened to it for how many episodes before you joined our joined our clan here man so i'm so glad yeah. that you did too dude this is great having you a part of this it's been a while it's been like a month since we got to sit down and chat so thanks again both of you nick it's it's always a pleasure sitting down and chat with you and get Blast, your ass man y- i just yeah, wish there wasn't it so much
2: freaking agony
1: yeah, me too <laughs> all right good okay. night everybody Good day. Bye.